the made vo- our maiden voyage of the Sports, Clicks, and Politics podcast. Welcome, everyone. Uh, I'm Sean Hannon. This is Ben Husong joining me. Thank you, Ben, for uh, making a guest appearance here in the studio. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Um, so I, we're live. I see people joining us. If you want to give feedback or questions or comments, please do. Uh, we encourage the feedback. Um, this is not going to be a traditional uh, or a normal show, even though this is our first show. We're going to kind of go without a format here. We're going to uh, kind of just kind of do a chronological breakdown of the last few days here in New York State. Um, starting with Friday, we'll talk about the transition, the, I call it less than graceful transition from phase one to phase two, um, which is where we are now. We'll talk about that, how that went down, and then we'll carry that over to the George Floyd protests. Um, and how that has played out over upstate New York and uh, various cities. Um, ben, uh, anything specific other than those two kind of general topics that you uh, may want to make sure we cover today? I think that there's going to be enough to go over with just those right. two and, and some of the consequences and the ramifications that are coming as a result and how they're just one not necessarily led to the other but certainly had a factor that um, – set the table for the situation to turn negative. Absolutely. So that's the best way to say that. Yeah, so let's start with Friday, I guess, right? Everybody had been building up phase two. Um, I remember watching uh, our county executive in the middle of his speech, you know, basically saying, you know, paraphrasing his words here, saying, you know, if I haven't heard anything by now, you know, it would be pretty crazy for them to try to implement something uh, now while I'm up here talking to every, you know people, so um, which he wasn't alone. I believe the uh, Anida, I think it was the Anida County Executive, was also yeah. mid mid press conference when he went on the radio and made his uh, kind of confusing comments. So um, it was less than graceful. I blame that on the governor. Um, I blame that on his lack of communication with his regional leaders. Um, the fact that industries as a whole are still getting guidance the days they're supposed to be open is somewhat ludicrous so um i don't know if anybody else knows how transition two or phase two is actually worded because i've seen you know a a uh an evolution of language used uh within phase two coming out of albany so um i know some industries are open some are not some force their hands i i congratulate the uh new york dental association for forcing Cuomo's hand because he basically said they were an opening he said yes we are and guess what they're opening so um all of you who have dentist appointments be sure to keep those clean teeth very healthy uh, i think it goes to a larger problem that has been how new york state handled this from the beginning which has been poor i don't think there's any other way to describe the response the statistics speak for themselves now, obviously, there was always going to be worse in New York than it was going to be in other places just because of New York City and the population density in New York City. It is unlike any other city we have in the country. It is more susceptible to having a virus spread than any other city in this country. But it didn't need to go as bad as it went. And unfortunately, just it was mishandled, and it was a – we got focused on the wrong things, in my opinion, hindsight obviously being 2020. But some of them didn't need to happen. Uh, some of it you can look back and say, well, we thought this. But a few things in particular. Now, how bad was it? If you ranked deaths per million of population of all the countries in the world, the USA is about 13th for deaths per million of population. If New York State were its own country, it would be number one. I mean, we, we did not do well. And the biggest factor, in my opinion, and obviously everybody's welcome to interpret this as it is, was how we handled nursing homes. 
I think this was an inexcusable move by Governor Cuomo to come out and say, if you have a positive COVID-19 patient, you cannot refuse them coming back into the nursing home. We knew early on, older people, people with health issues, that was most vulnerable to this disease. We also know nursing homes do not have the personal protective equipment that hospitals have. There were nursing homeowners writing to the governor's office saying, we have no way of stopping this if it comes in. What are we supposed to do? They got no guidance. They got no support. And they were forced to take on these patients. They take them back into the nursing home where they obviously infected more patients, of more residents of the nursing homes, and the staff. Because there was no way to control it at that point. It was going to go through everything. How do you make that mistake? I don't think it was a mistake. Well, it was a calculated mistake. I think he knew all that. I think he made the decision anyway because he thought that his hospitals were going to get overrun by other patients, and he sacrificed the nursing homes. Um, it's hard for me to think anything otherwise because all the stuff that you just said that we all knew, he knew. Right. So he, he, he made a calculated decision. He decided that, you know, one life was better than or more important than another, in my opinion, and, you know, now we're suffering the consequences of looking back on it in hindsight where it was the wrong decision. Not like that. It was a... It was beyond wrong. I mean, we had an entire Navy ship that did not hit max capacity. We had space. We had an entire field hospital set up that didn't treat one patient. It, it, it cost $21 million. didn't treat one patient. And you had the uh, Samaritan's Purse Organization setting up a field hospital in Central Park. There was space to get it that wrong and obviously cause such more of a spread of it than needed to happen. I... I can't fathom how you do that. And then what really irritated me about it was when they first asked Governor Cuomo about it, he comes out and says, we're going to investigate these nursing homes because I think some of them put profits above their patients. And I was mind blown. It was your rule. You signed the order. And now you're going to say they were pursuing profits over their residents? Then he came out and said, well, we were just following federal guidelines. And then when that got shot down, he came out and said, well, we were just worried about overwhelming the healthcare system. Like, you're just, anything you can think of as an excuse, you're throwing out there, and you got it wrong. And you got it terribly wrong, and as a direct result of that order, people died. Yeah. And, and I don't know if it's to his credit or not. You know, he's come out and said that everybody got it wrong, but, you know, the consequences are what they are. Um, you can't undo what has been done even though it seems like he won't undo what he's already done. Like, he was so, you know, so, you know, wishy-washy on his decision to to phase from, from one to two, it left a bunch of, you know, that I was hearing, local small businesses, in basically complete dark, not knowing exactly what was going on. You know, they were let up, they had staff, they had schedules, they had appointments, they had clients, they had all this stuff lined up, and then... As our executive is telling our businesses, go, Cuomo says stop, right? So, like, and not to stop, just, like, stop maybe, right? So, like, right. even worse, not even just, hey, no, 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 we're waiting another week. No, uh, we'll get information to you soon. Thanks. Well, the region of leaders, to my knowledge, were getting almost zero communication from the governor's office. So, um, and specifically, no guidance. You know, they were, and when they were getting it guidance, they were getting it very late, Um and industries are, you know, I feel like kind of at their wit's end here with, with the governor. And, you know, I, I don't see how he can get us out of this other than just by letting go. 
and he has zero chance of ever letting go. He's the biggest micromanager in politics. Uh, it's hard to argue with any of that. I the, the communication's been poor, and I do think at this point it's a – I keep seeing the words intentionally vague. Intentionally vague is not helpful. And, I, it, and nobody wants to say, like, oh, well, you got to feel for these business owners because there's this image that people come up with, like, oh, it's these rich business owners and who cares. But it's not an accurate portrayal for most of the people that own a small business. They're not wealthy. Yes, they make good money, but they also have expenses. They have employees. They have bills, mortgages, just like everybody else. So, yeah, it's great that they have a business. But when you start saying, okay, get your, you can open up Friday. So you get all your employees ready to come back. You start getting your inventory back on track. You start doing all this. And then Thursday afternoon, the governor goes, maybe. Yeah. What do you mean? Maybe? Pulls in a global panel of experts at the last second to, you know, again, just confuse the regions. Uh, you know, just you could see the frustration on some of these people's faces, you know, after, after the, you know, this crazy. Like, you know, I'm sure it is not a glorious job right now to be a leader on, on, on these local levels. And to be at the Beck and call of a governor who doesn't call is can be, I, I just got to imagine it's super frustrating. So, um, uh, listen, I don't envy the job that Cuomo has right now either. Let's be fair; it's this was a tough thing, and it was sure, sure. And I'm not even saying like we should go prosecute him for murder or anything. I'm just saying let's look back in hindsight, acknowledge what did we get wrong, because there's 50 other states in this country, and obviously New York was always going to have it the worst just because of New York City and the population density. It didn't need to be this bad. No. In other states that were chastised for their for their reopening, for their plans, for whatever their measures were, are now coming out and going. Yeah, Florida's a prime example, right? I mean, he he the governor uh, DeSantis there he focused on the nursing homes. He did the exact opposite of what our governor did. He purposely and prioritized PPE to the nursing homes and said, "Let's stop it before it spreads." Um, you know. I'm sure he was vilified in his local news, just like just forever. Like but, but right, so <laughs> here we are. You know, a, a month later from that, you know, he did that. I think in the middle of March, yep. and Cuomo didn't do that until the end of April. So, nope. I, maybe even middle of May. Actually, it might have been six weeks. Like it was a long time that he just kept that order in place. So now that he started, he started changing how they counted nursing home deaths. That is the stuff that well, is very, very scary. Is for sure. You know they recognized the problem, and rather than dealing with it, they covered it up. Right. Right. No. They just said, all right, well, we're not going to count people who left the nursing home and died in the hospital. Right. We're only counting it if they died in the hospital. Yeah. Whereas before that, they were counting. And I'm pretty sure every other state is still counting it that first wave. So it's, it's one of those things of, look, you can offer up any reasoning. This was an inexcusable move. And, and the, sometimes the cover-up is worse than the crime. But obviously, you knew this was a problem. Yeah, and, you know, I, again, back to the point of, you know, we're in uncharted waters, right? But, like, the, the, if they were transparent and, you know, open and honest with the people, you could be wrong earlier and correct. Um, Listen, I, I give uh, our editorial board here at Syracuse.com some credit by calling, uh, I'm not, I don't know if they made it up, but I like the, uh, the, the reference to America's governor, right? So, like, stop being America's governor and be ours, right? So, like, I feel like he's running for office. And today's press conference, and we're talking here uh, on June 1st, um, today's conference started with a campaign speech. I mean, he was basically, I had to turn it off after, like, five minutes. For him. There was no COVID update. There was nothing. So, um, he's, running, he's running for a bigger office or 
He's running to be his brother's co-host. I don't know. Um, either way, um, I, I, I like the idea that he's – he's. Well, I don't like it, but I recognize that I think they're right and that he's running for something other than our governor. Or at least he's ruling. He's ruling in a way that he's – I don't know. Running for, for president is my guess. I think it's a safe assumption. You could be wrong, but I do think it's a safe assumption that he has an eye on national politics. For sure. No, no, no doubt. And like I said, if he, even if he really didn't, the last few weeks of this thing has pushed him into the spotlight, right? So now he is. Um, or he's rekindled that. I always think he had it. And now yeah. it's, just, it's just a little bit probably you know, burning with him again. So um, I don't know. Well, let's take this from how uh, we have a, a, a state that's basically being locked down by its governor. Um, we get news or we get video of that I'm sure everybody has seen to some degree here. I'm not really going to describe it, but everybody knows uh, or seen the video of, of, of George Floyd. Um, it led to protests in, in Minneapolis, um, and it led to national protests, uh, including protests here in New York State across upstate cities. Um, I saw videos of, of protests in Buffalo and Rochester, uh, here in Syracuse, uh, New York City for sure. Um, so I, th they were out there. Um, piggybacking on that, we had the protests, uh, and then coattailing on some of those protests, you were finding some, um, uh, some looting, some rioting, um, and responses by the government to that looting and rioting. So um, I think that it can't be understated that the current situation of our state had to play a role in the fueling of whatever's going on in all these additional protests. Um, they might not seem to appear related on the surface, but I think they're related in the psyche of the people. I don't think you need to limit to the state. I think nationwide you're seeing that. As, as more and more of these states have shut down economically, it's not, it's not the wealthiest people that feel that. It's not the rich that are going to be the first casualties of an economic shutdown. It's the people that are the poorest and the most vulnerable that are going to be the hardest hit. So you have that happen. Now you have... Listen, we all went through this. We all lived it. You start to get cabin fever. You start to go a little bit crazy. Your patience starts to wear thin. Your temper starts to get shorter. You're you're just surrounded all the time, and it feels like the walls are closing in. And then you have the spark. And now this happens, and, and I again, I mean, there's only so many ways to say this. An inexcusable conduct by a police officer in Minneapolis uh, an extrajudicial killing of a man in custody posing no threat. And I think it's hard to look at that objectively and come to any other yeah, And, you know, as a side note, he was a bouncer at a restaurant that was closed down. So, you know, he's, uh, he was, he was, it's not an overlap, I don't think. Right. Like I said, I think there's, there's, again, on the surface it might not seem though, but I think there's, there's relate, they're, they're related. They, so he was related. originally charged, it was, it was either writing a bad check or using a fake $20 for some kind of forgery right, right. because he didn't have a job right. any longer, and that's what brings it in. And I think now you just have all of these perfect storm of factors that come into play, and it leads to what started as a protest with civil unrest, and then as these things tend to happen, it sort of gets co-opted by... I don't know how to say this, nefarious actors, I don't, whatever you want to say, people that are going around and destroying businesses, houses, anything they can find, and, and they're using violence and intimidation, and 
then everybody that's not there is kind of sitting back going, whoa. Right. And I, and I think there's there, there should be a distinction drawn, too, because from what I can tell, maybe all of the video footage I saw of protests were just that, protests. Um, many of the looting and rioting happened at the end of these protests, right. what were almost all peaceful protests. Right. Almost all the actions came after the organized event ended, and almost all of them happened away from the main protest site. So they're related because they happened back to back, but I think maybe to your point is I think there's people who like to capitalize on the situation sure. who don't have any kind of stake in the protest, could care less, and they're just using it as an opportunist to, right. to, to line their pockets, uh, whatever yeah. it is. So or to make their statement. Sure, right, right whatever it is. Um, so I, I'd like to... You know, there, to me, there's a difference between the protesters and 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 the the, the ones causing the violence, um, because I support the protesters. Uh, you know, I I don't want to say that I condone what's going on in any of these places, but I get it. Um, like specifically in Minneapolis, where they've had you know a, a handful of these citizen deaths at the, at the hands of their law enforcement over the over the handful of years. Mm -hmm. Like at some point, you know, you don't feel safe. You don't, you don't, you don't, you know, you don't want the protection of your government anymore. And, you know, you don't think they can offer it anyway. Right. So I think that's where a lot of people were in Minneapolis. And because of that, they, they rebelled and they rebelled, you know, I, I agree with that. I, I guess here's where my, and I want to word this carefully. I, I don't disagree. I don't, I really don't. My question is, I, every time something like this comes up of, let's get into specifics, because I think specifics are important to every question. All right, we're going to go and protest. What is the goal? Because in this case, as I'm looking at it from the outside in, I'm going, I see a white cop killed a black man. That There was no need. The cop was then immediately fired. An investigation was immediately launched. He was arrested. He was charged with murder and manslaughter, all in the span of about four days. I'm, I'm sorry that this happened. This was awful. I don't know what more of a response you could possibly expect. Well, I to play uh, devil's advocate, I would say that in that community, like they've tried the peaceful way, so they've given it multiple chances to try to do it the right way, without exhibiting violence. And I feel like that's where I feel like they 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 had it at wit's end. They were like, okay, we're not going to change anything any other way. So until they actually know that we're serious or until they're going to stand up or whatever, you know, take notice of whatever it is that they're going to. And listen, I, I think in some ways it worked. Um, you know, the FBI went in there. Um, you know, I can't imagine that their police department doesn't see some kind of massive overhaul in their, in, their, in, their, in their policy positions or their, or their training or something. So um, everybody will be watching. So they almost have to, right? So, um, and like I said, this is one situation, you know, it's, it seems to, these situations at this level seem to happen, you know, every generation a little bit, and people have their moment where they're like, hey, you know, we've seen enough, and they, they, they lash out. And again, I, I don't condone the violence and the destruction of property and, you know, the, the like, I mean, it's, it's, it's not productive. It doesn't go to a goal. It do, it's, it's, a, it's there. But, I, but to my point earlier is I they're related because they happen together, but they're not, I don't feel like it's the same people. Um, 
There, there's some, for sure, and especially early on in Minneapolis. I'm sure there were some people who were just, again, done, and they, they snapped and did what they did. I'm less likely to, to raise that question, even at the city of Minneapolis, St. Paul, anywhere in that immediate area, because you're right. There, there has been this going on, and now it finally came. And listen, the guy was held accountable, which I think if you go back to 92, the big issue with the riots was there was no accountability. Like, these four cops just beat on this guy, and then nobody was going to do any jail time, and it felt like you were helpless. There, the system was against you. That was all there was to it. Now, obviously, people disagree on both sides of that, but I get the idea of that was the response. And in this case, I'm, I, I guess from my standpoint, it is a I, I can't fault you, and I fully support the right to protest, especially peacefully, lawfully assemble, go and demand change. Absolutely. I even understand why you why it escalates and grows and goes into a somewhat violent protest but i do think it it's counterproductive it, under, it undermines the message for sure not, it's not that it undermines the message all right so you're you're going in and destroying businesses so the first issue is small businesses most small businesses don't have insurance against looting and rioting it's it's excluded it's excluded from most insurance contracts if they have the insurance to begin with so now what are these people supposed to do? Rebuild with from nothing after they've just shut down for the last eight weeks? How? Oh, now let's get into the nationals, your auto zone targets, the banks, the lending institutions, and everything else that are in the immediate neighborhood. These businesses are going to have probably insurance and get covered, but are they going to stay in the area? Or is it going to become cost-prohibitive because the premiums on the insurances will now go up? It's going to be harder to do that. Yeah, and listen, uh, to your point, uh, you know, a lot of businesses have been struggling leading into this, you know, depending on those business situations, you're right, they, 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 it may be the, the, the death nail. Um, uh, I hope not. It's no, just, for sure. This is the law of for unintended sure, for consequences for sure. where some of us aren't saying, like, your anger is unjustified or anything else. It's yeah. just, I, there's noth- I feel helpless because there's nothing I can do, and yet I'm pretty sure I know exactly how this is going to go. And that's where I have a hard time grasping with it of, oh, this is going to lead to things you don't want to happen. But it's it's an inevitability at this point. It's like the train has left the station and we're not pulling it back. And so let's take that to the state level then. So we had some, some statewide protests. Um, you know, I, I feel like New York City was the biggest and probably the most uh, combative. Um, Rochester, I saw some video there. And again, I, I haven't seen every single video from every single protest and every single available by any means yeah um but i think in large they were they were mostly pro they they they, they kind of carried the same timeline they were you know peaceful protests up to a certain point and then at a certain point after they kind of broke apart that certain factions broke away and caused damage um again doing multiple levels of damage to the message to the property specifically to the community, to the community as a whole the value of the community is damaged for sure so um and then here in Syracuse, you know, we had our protest. Um, I watched hours of the protest on uh, the first day of the protest. And, again, peaceful to, to the end. Um, I, I remember falling asleep sometime around 9, 30, 10 o'clock, waking up, and then hearing that there was, you know, problems after. Um, so I kind of dug into that, kind of find out. And, and most of the people who were in and around there um, said it was, you know, two smaller groups of people that were kind of doing the damage. Um, I think we had seven arrests, 
for, 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 for and that, that night, that first night, um, which led to a second night yesterday, or sorry, Sunday, where we had a state of emergency declared by Syracuse Mayor Ben Walsh and followed by a state of emergency declared by County Executive Brian McMahon. Um, both of those instilled a curfew from 8 p.m. to 7 a.m., um, other than work travel and some other specifics. Uh, but, like, you know, your early morning jog with the dogs was not on the list. So hope there was a bunch of anarchists out there today running with their dogs in uh, the beautiful morning that we had here. So I'm sh I already know there were because I got pictures of it. But uh, And there was no riots where they were at. You can imagine that at 6 in the morning <laughs> on Erie Canal. Um, yeah, so um, I felt – so I, I'll say that I understood the city's call since they had the violence and they had the arrests, and since I wasn't fully monitoring everything that happened overnight, so I gave them the benefit of the doubt and said they needed to kind of get things under control for the time being. Um, it wasn't lost on me. The order was – made at midnight, but had an 8 p.m. start time, which made me know that it was going to be the next day that they were, you know, like, okay, we're not going to backdate this time unless they're going to implement it going forward. So I had said I was just going to go sit on City Holiday till 1 p.m. and see, see what happens. So um, followed by the county's announcement, I began uh, a discussion with the county executive uh, through a series of emails um, decided not to go uh, because of some of the information that he was giving me. Um, I still think that the curfew was, was not the right call. Um, I think if there were threats in the community that there was other ways to do that without looking militant. Um, I think that the, 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 the use of, you know, the the, the, the display of force in the time that we're at, where we, you know, specifically in this state where we have been on a proverbial lockdown for weeks and months, and then to basically come out in full force is just not a good look in my mind. Um, I didn't go. I didn't go last night uh, because, out of respect for for the executive and and law enforcement, and wasn't trying to interfere with something bigger than me. Right. Um, but a curfew seems counterproductive to me in the narrative. Like it does, it's it. We're 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 a nation and a state and a community under lockdown, and the government doubled down on the lockdown. It was like, hey, you know, I know people are upset, but we're just going to make it harder on you. So especially Nas, uh, I live out in Camillus and almost to Jordan Elbridge. I live I live pretty far out there. Um, and then my wife called me and said, hey, there's a lockdown or a curfew, and of course I was. Not in Onondaga County at the time, and I was driving back. Like, well, I'm going to be violating the, the curfew. I'm sorry, please forgive me. I was already gone. I couldn't have fixed it. Anarchist. Um, but what was upsetting to her number one? I know you're going to be shocked to hear this. I don't run much in the mornings. To, what? I know it's weird. She does every single morning, and so she was upset that she couldn't go running before seven. The other thing that really did get her was. She hasn't been able to go to the gym in Camillus and do her workout classes for eight weeks. Tomorrow is supposed to be the first day. Tomorrow morning, 6.15, 
I bet you're probably the, the happiest gym. person in the world. Oh, my God. The owners of the gym is what I feel for. Listen, obviously, she can do a video and work out at home. I feel for her to an extent. Honey, if you're watching, I'm sorry, but I really do feel bad for you. Um, but the owners of the gym who have now had to shut their business down for the last six weeks now finally have the relief coming. And this is a well-attended class. Like, this has 20, 30 people in it where they make pretty good money. And they had like, we just, we can't ask you to break the law, so we have to cancel the classes for this week. And is it the end of the world? Probably not. I hope that's not the needle that broke the camel's back. But it's not good. No, and it, like I said, it just, it just builds on, on you know, pre-existing thoughts and, 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 you know, it's, the lockdown itself is not the end of the world. Again, I think it's the compounding of things from the national level to the state level, and then we had a city and a county both participate. And I think the extra layers at our level, like I said, were not helpful, not only to the protesters, you know, like, I mean, as I, as I asked some people, what, what I didn't know my First Amendment had a timer. I didn't know that I couldn't protest at 801. Well, I know. Well, I, I guess I know. Um, I, I, mean, I chose not to find out, I guess, is really what it was. Smart. Well, here's the other half of it, though, is I understand the need. But I do think that whenever we just blindly go along with any executive decree or government edict that is made for our safety and benefit, we have to at least demand that it's curtailed. Why did the order have to go until 7 a.m.? Why couldn't it have stopped at 5? Why did it have to be 8? What couldn't it have been nine? And maybe not. Maybe you say, no, we have evidence or we have information, intelligence, whatever, that these are the times. But you're going to have a hard time convincing me. And this is where just some consideration for the businesses, for the people that are employing other people that are contributing to the economy here of, hey, we're sorry that we did this to you. Instead of 7 a.m., we're going to make it 5 a.m. so that these people that do have early morning things can get back up and running finally. And honestly, the better solution to avoid all of those, you know, specifications is, hey, we had these threats. We're not going to institute a curfew. We're going to recommend a curfew. We think everybody should be off the streets. We don't think it's safe. Um, if you're going to go out for a jog at Erie Canal, you know, keep, it, keep an eye out for some signs or something. I don't, you know, a group of people, like, run the other way. Um, but that would allow people not to have those exact feelings, right? It wouldn't, it, the, the, the dozens, if not, you know, hundreds of morning joggers all went out and ran today. Well, most of them did. And so it seems like an inconsequential thing for breaking the law, right? But, like, it, it breeds the idea that laws are arbitrary, and you're going to – which, hey, listen, laws are arbitrary in my <laughs> mind, but, I, you know, there's, laws are not moral. So, but it creates, it creates a field where they're – maybe more likely to break the law in the future, right? Because they're like, okay, well, this was stupid, so this is also stupid. And right. it, Which, again, you know, I'm, I'm all for civil disobedience, so, you know, hallelujah to the morning jogger disobedient crowd. Um, I just think that there could have been more nuance. I think there could have been more nuance out of the, the mayor. Uh, I think there could have been more nuance out, out of the county executive and allowed, you know, adults to be adults. Um, and, you know, I don't know the... Know, the, the messaging that needed to be done, but I think that there was messaging out there that could have been done that could have resulted in primarily the same effect and without the appearance of a government coming down more on its people. I think the legal terminology is, is the law narrowly tailored? 
it, or was it overly broad? And I think they could have done a better job starting with the economic shutdowns and social distancing and everything else all the way through yesterday of tailoring the laws more narrowly to meet their ends. They didn't need to go to this level of a broad catch-all provisions because it's, it wasn't necessary. And so by overdoing it, I get that it's safer, but you're going to get me to 99.9% safe with all of your over-the-top rules. Or I could get to 99.8 safe with half. I'll take 99.8. Just if it's less of an infringement. Now, listen, I'm, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist guy. I don't think that... Well, this is going to be a fun show then. I'm sorry. Because I'm going to be the conspiracy theorist guy, and you're going to be the anti-conspiracy theorist guy then. I feel like that's sort of how this is going to play out anyway. <laughs> Inevitability. I just I believe in human nature, and I believe in how you track as, as human psychology and the mind works of, if I'm in founding executive McMahon's position, it's probably not front of mind to say, oh, you know what, let's go until 5 because there's probably some gyms that are going to run early morning exercise classes. But that doesn't make it any less important for the gym owners or no. the other businesses no. that open early in the morning. No, that's, so that's their most important thing of the day that day. I mean, I mean, you know, as a small business owner, like, you have to take each day day by day, right? And if all of a sudden one of your days gets completely wiped out hours before it was supposed to be, right, it's, it's, you can't recover from that. Like, you just have to keep adapting moving forward, but you're never getting that back. Right. And I think this has been the problem steadily along of it's been obviously very – it, it almost co-opted the entire debate on how do we properly protect against this virus. If you come out and say anything along the lines of, hey, I don't think we should have shut down the entire economy. I, I think this is going to have really bad consequences and you can't keep doing this. You inevitably get people yelling back at you about how you don't care about protecting their loved ones. Like, no, I'm just saying that there are consequences to this that we don't want. There are less people getting the surgeries they should be getting and help they should be getting. Cancer diagnoses are going down. Suicides are going up. Domestic violence is going up. People are relapsing on addictions at a higher rate than normal. I don't know if that's been proven out yet. I read something that, that there was indicators that that was happening. So all of these negative things, and it's the same point of, Okay, well, we've gotten to the point in New York State where we have 30,000 people that have died from this virus. What could we have done differently to have gotten at least as good of a result, if not better? What if we had just instituted a rule that mandated protecting the nursing homes first and foremost? Yeah, and, and we'll never know. Right, and that's where I think it's important that people speak up. And it's okay to be wrong. Just bring up other points. I, I don't pretend to have all the answers, and I know, contrary to popular opinion, you don't have all of them. No. You might have most. No, no, no. Definitely not. But I think it's important that you keep bringing these things up because otherwise, what are we doing? We're, we're making assumptions and we're, we're just operating on half the information and thinking we have it. Uh, and there was the, the quote that you say all the time that I love is always, it's easier to fool somebody than it is to convince them they have been fooled. Yes. And people hear that and immediately they nod their head and they go, yeah, I know people like yeah. that. So but I've been, I'm been i the guy who's been fooled, right? Listen. You've been, it's true of everybody. It's not just everybody that you disagree with. It's true of you. It's true of me. It's true of Sean. It's true of your best friend and your worst enemy. It's the way our brains work. It's easier to fool us than to convince us we've been fooled. So it's just something we need to be aware of and just say, okay, take a step back. What if that is right? What if I did get this wrong? And there's, that's fine. We didn't know anything about this earlier. Right. We were scared, and rightly so. But that doesn't mean we have to change the entire conversation later on of flatten the curve. Let's not overwhelm the healthcare system. 
that turned into, well, we've got to stay home until there's a vaccine. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, th there was, you know, shifting messaging from every level of government, um, which, again, created confusion, which creates, you know, fear. So I'm not surprised by some of the things that, that, that I see and read and, and hear from other people who are seemingly scared. Um, because if they listened to certain, you know, narratives that were out there, like this thing was going to be, you know, millions of deaths. Right. Um, what was it? Two million deaths. Two, two point four was the was yeah. the you know if we do nothing, which was obviously a complete nonsense statistic anyway, because people were already doing stuff. But anyway, but yeah, but mi but millions of people, right? So and it's not that. Um, yet we're still operating under the lockdowns or pauses, whatever the terminology the government would like to use, um, as if we did operate under the, the, the early, you know, data. Like, we haven't, we've, un, we've undone some things, but, like, we're, we're way past undoing things. Like, things should be opening. Um, like I said, I give, I give, you know, credit to the, the, the New York Dental Association for basically just forcing the governor's hand um, because they were not going to open until phase four, and they were not having it. So good. Um, good, right. So I'm glad that they did that, and I think more people need to do that, and I hope that our regional leaders do that. Um, and it doesn't mean they don't care, and they're no. not, like they're trying to get No, I, I think it's the exact opposite of that. I think they care the most. I think our executive, I think our mayor, I think our local officials care about our people more than the governor does. And that's not necessarily knocking the governor. He can't. He can't. He can't like all of the communities as much as the communities like themselves. So, so I asked on our local officials to, to lead, um, do what the New York Dental Association did, force the governor's hand, come up with a plan that's safe, come up with a plan that's, that's acceptable to your people, come up with something that you're confident in that you can present as, hey, we're, we're ready to go to phase whatever, whatever you want to call it, and say, listen, we're moving forward because we know we can. And if our regional leaders think that they are in that position, then I would say go public with that information. Say, we're ready to open, Governor. When can we open? And then I would come out with that message every single day until he says, okay, you can open. Or I'm going to let you go, right? If he says, okay, you guys want to open? I'll let you guys do whatever you want to do and let him wipe his hands of Central New York or any of these other regions. I'm totally fine with that. And I think the regional leaders would appreciate him wiping his hands of that so they could actually lead. Um, I, I don't think the answers are going to come out of Albany, I'm sure they're not coming out of Washington, D.C., but I don't think they're coming out of Albany either. They're going to come out of our local leaders. They're going to come out of our local officials because they know what's best. They know what the people need of their own communities. It's not the people in Albany don't know. Right. Uh, listen, I, I agree, and I think that you're seeing more and more of the consequences. And here's what's, here's what's ultimately going to end up happening is we've had this stuff shut down for so long that some of these businesses are going to realize they had – expenses that were not necessary. You are going to see a decreased use of office space. You are going to see that. It's going to happen now. Is that good or bad? I don't know. It's going to be bad in the short term, but probably good in the long run. Um, that is going to cause more vacancies. And this is where if we'll tie it back in with the, not the protests, but the looting and the rioting. This was already going to be a hard time for people that owned offices and businesses downtown or whatever else, because you're looking at the lease and going, all right, I got this many people, if I just have more from home, I could go way less. So my, my big concern is, all right, now you're giving more of a reason to say, 
what am I doing here? So I listen, I'm not here to tell anybody how to feel, think, react, respond, or anything else. I just try to take a step back and say, well, what are the consequences of this going to be? And it's uh, it's not going to be good, I guess, is the is the end result. And this is where I keep seeing this stuff on Facebook that is, hey, if you're a, a white person and you're not coming out and doing this, you're part of the problem. And I sort of take objection to that, like, hang on. Again, what is the goal? Because the goal used to be there's no accountability amongst police officers when this happens. Well, in this case, there there is accountability. He's been charged with murder. He's been charged with manslaughter. The right thing is happening. We don't lynch people in the square anymore. That's a good thing. He is entitled to a defense under our system of justice, just like everybody else is, and he's going to defend himself. And I will add one layer to that, though, that uh, the good Congressman Amash may have just tried to address uh, either today or yesterday was uh, changing the fact that the officers are not held accountable for their actions in a lot of ways because they're held to a different standard. Um, Justin Amash introduced legislation on a national level to change that. Um, if it's not going to pass now, I, I just don't know. You know, it's been it's been talked about, it's been brought up in the past, it's been tried to change. Um, I think that the climate has is right for this bill. So, um, I think it's hopefully it happens. Um, but I think there is one more layer to your point of he is held accountable. Is he needs to go to jail for the rest of his life, right? So he's um, probably not going to go to prison for the rest of his life. That's the only justification that's the only justice that i could see even being remotely fair so i understand i guess my point is is that's also a level of frustration from the people is because they're never going to feel whole because they're never going to feel that justice was done so they're always going to feel that because he wore a badge that he's going to get an extra level of treatment which he does um so it's not it's listen i'm extremely thankful that he was charged and the other officers were right. charged and all that. Like, that all needed to be done. Um, all right, let me just comment on, yeah. the, on that. I, all right, so the, the charge was third-degree murder. Okay, so third-degree murder typically doesn't result in a life in prison. Now, he could get, I think it's 12 to 25 years in prison is what he'd be looking at. The reason that you're going to have a hard time going beyond is you're going to have a hard time showing intent. And keep in mind, if you're the prosecutor who has to try this case, you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, not just that this gentleman is a cop, but anybody else under these circumstances had the intent to end the man's life. Okay. That's going to be a high legal threshold because what you're going to have to prove the 12 jurors is this, this man kneeling on this guy's neck, wholly, wholly wrong, intended to end his life in broad daylight with Plenty of witnesses. Sure. So, so it's I'll I'll, I'll grant you the life in prison, but it should be the next be, the, the next closest thing. I agree. Listen, so, I think. He but if he doesn't get that, that's where the people will feel that you know there'll be another level of frustration right. that happens at that sentencing. If it's not if it's not at the level that people find appropriate. So. And I guess at this point, I'm just saying, look, give the justice system a chance because so far the the signs are positive. I would have been much more concerned if they came out and said we're charging with murder one. Because I would have said, you're just doing this for a show. There's no way you're going to get it. You couldn't possibly convince anybody that that was the the proper charge because everybody just thinks it's based on the severity of the circumstance of do you get murder one, two, three, or four, but that's not accurate. There are specific requirements that need to be met to prove each one of these charges. 
and you're not doing anybody favors by charging them with some ridiculous thing that you can't prove, and then the guy gets off. And then you are going to have people go, because, again, there's the misunderstanding aspect of what exactly do you have to prove, so then it does give the appearance of, no, there's just, it's, and I think it's the qualified immunity doctrine that you were talking about before of, Police can't be held personally responsible for what they do in the line of duty as long as it's not grossly outside of the norm. As long as they can sh so show anything in, in the line of, it's in the line of duty, they're not personally liable. There's a very good argument to be made that that should be done away with. There is an argument to be made that it shouldn't be. I don't pretend to have all the answers at this point. I'm leaning towards I think it should go away. But I'm open to the prospect, I'm open to new information to say, are we sure, and what would the consequences be, which I have not given due thought to at this point. So I'm hesitant to take a stand. Yeah. So we're about 55 minutes in here. Okay. Um, the county executive is probably going to go live in five minutes. I think everybody here would probably rather listen to him, and uh, hopefully he'll lift our cue for you and give you some good news today. Um, but on that note, I do want to thank everybody. Um, again, this was kind of a, again, a special episode for sure. We're, we'll, going forward, we'll have more of a, uh, uh, a normal format going where we talk specifically about uh, mostly New York State stuff. We'll, the title itself kind of gives you a, a hint of what we're going to do, a little sports, uh, clicks, and politics. The clicks being uh, kind of whatever the hell I want to do. So the clicks, <laughs> the clicks give me free reign to talk about whatever. You guys will find out whatever is uh, as we move forward into this. Um, but tell your friends, uh, share us, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, all that good stuff. Um, share the video where you can. And uh, this is going to be like a weekly show here. So we'll recap the uh, weekly news and events of uh, New York State, hopefully in an entertaining fashion for you. And uh, hopefully you'll uh, stay along. Anything else you want to uh, add, Mr. Hussam? No, thank you for tuning in. Um, any any feedback you can offer is greatly appreciated. Very much so. And just, listen, keep in mind, whatever points we're trying to make here is a let's try to flesh it out. Neither of us are drawing any hard-line conclusions on this is right and this is wrong. The show is really just meant to discuss things in greater detail and bring up other points of view and say, alright, maybe we can learn a little bit more. So if you disagree with something, by all means, bring it to our attention. We'll talk more about it. I, I think the purpose of debate is to learn and better form your own opinions, not to win. So I have no interest in winning a discussion against anybody. What I want to get from this, and I think I can speak for you safely here, is let's bring up more points of view and more thoughts to consider and see if we can't grasp a better thing. Because I do think most of us all want the same or similar outcomes for our city, our region, our state, our country. And there just is some disagreement on how do you get there and what's the best path and then what are the consequences that come along with it. Absolutely. So I'm just jumping out ahead of that. Yeah, no, great. No, that's very good. So, again, thank you. I'm going to sign off here now. And, uh, again, share and like and uh, follow us on uh, all the social media platforms that you can. And uh, hopefully we'll see you all next week. Thanks again. Thanks, guys.